Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really, quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbuster. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extra Plasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that's been brainstorming Ghostbusters-themed elf-on-a-shelf replacements like Ghoul on a Stool, Undead on a Bed, or Ghost on a Post. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Vink Maniac on the internet, and this week we're talking comics and more with friend of the show and recurring commentator John Yurkaba, who not only is a massive Ghostbusters fan whose art has been featured by Sony and Ghost Corps on t-shirts and at FanFest, but who also works drawing comics for IDW on titles like Godzilla, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and Transformers Beast Wars. Talking with John is always fun, but in this case, I was happy to be able to chat with him about a medium that is very much within his wheelhouse, and because it happened last week, we also had a chance to talk about his recent Frozen Empire print release and the public reaction to it, including from Ghostbusters Frozen Empire star Kumail Nanjiani. Not bad. Uh, So we'll turn to that conversation with John in a few moments. But before we do, I want to remind you that if you've got anything you want to share with the podcast, especially at this time of year when lots of franchises are running charity efforts, don't forget that Extra Plasm is here to help you get that information out there. You can, of course, reach the podcast at Extra Plasm on Instagram and X, as well as Extra Plasm Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, and Extra Plasm Podcast at gmail.com via email. And if you do, you just might find yourself talked about, in a positive light, of course, in our next segment, Ghostbusters Headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Falling topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. The extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters Headlines coming at you. To start off headlines this week, we've got a few tidbits about Ghostbusters Frozen Empire to talk about. Perhaps the most exciting news of the week is that the filming we talked briefly about last week in headlines, based on changes to McKenna Grace's schedule at a convention in the UK, is now underway, and it turns out it's happening in Atlanta. Ghostbusters News has received confirmation that filming is underway on a soundstage in the Atlanta, Georgia area, a confirmation that comes on the heels of speculation from eagle-eyed followers of social media who had noticed that members of the cast and crew were turning up in the Atlanta region over the last week and began scratching their heads and going, hmm, I wonder what's going on. There's no other information available as to what they're shooting right now, uh, but Jason over at Ghostbusters News notes that whatever is being shot is likely not massive in scope, given that Sony Pictures has also announced this week that March 29th, 2024 is still the expected release date of the film. That's so much the expected release date of the film that they've confirmed that it's pretty much intended as a global release date, alongside an announcement of the Japanese regional title Frozen Summer. Uh, So unlike Afterlife, where you had a staggered release and our friends in Australia and Asia waited a bit to see the movie in theaters after the rest of us, everybody should be able to see this movie as it's released on the 28th and 29th of March. Everybody except those of you living in France or who are, you know, living en Francais, uh, who will get that movie one week later. Uh, This may be because the movie is coming out on Easter weekend and in France, Easter actually turns into an extended holiday weekend with a Monday government holiday where lots of businesses, theaters, and the like are closed, uh, lots of tourism and travel takes place. Uh, and with respect, you know, so that may mean that you're going to see a delay there because it may not be uh, culturally smart to release the movie where in a context where it might not be profitable in its first weekend. And with respect to Frozen Summer in Japan, 
it makes some sense that Sony would make that title change given Japan's long history and cultural ties to imperialism and empires and its, you know, sort of makeup uh, as a government. So changing the title likely avoids confusion or potentially seeming culturally offensive. I have to admit I'm a little behind the eight ball in collecting a list of regional titles for this film, so if anybody has some to share out there, feel free to shoot me a message. Uh, but it is exciting to sort of know that we're in the middle of, uh, you know, the wrap up on filming and that the, you know, uh, confidence is there that despite the fact that they're shooting a few final things that they know, at least at a production level, they're going to hit this global release date or they wouldn't continue to confirm it. I imagine uh, you don't have to set up a global release date if you think things aren't going to work out. Right. So um, we all know when to expect a movie and we all know they're wrapping up filming. The question will be, you know, beyond seeing the tr from the trailer. What else is going to be in this movie? And don't worry, I'm not about to spoil anything for you. But our final piece of Frozen Empire news for the week is that Dan Aykroyd was interviewed by Newsweek as part of efforts to promote his new television show, The Unbelievable with Dan Aykroyd, which premiered on December 1st. For the record, my title for this show would have been Can You Believe It Cadets with Uncle Dan? But I digress. Um, this Newsweek article touched upon Ghostbusters Frozen Empire very briefly as most of it was about uh, Dan's return to television and his new show. But he did comment in this article that he's had, quote unquote, too much fun uh, working on the film and isolated and pointed out Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, uh, McKenna Grace and Paul Rudd's contributions to the franchise in general and said, when we marry the old lore and some of the traditions with these four spectacular new performances, you get a blend in service of a really neat New York story that gives us faith in carrying on with this Ghostbusters concept. He then continued on to say that we've quote unquote, never done this to Manhattan before of meaning in terms of what's going on with the plot, um, which I'm guessing means blow it up with lots of ice <laughs> based on the trailer. And he suggested that there's a, a historical base to it. That's quite beautiful. Uh, he additionally said that the film was going to, confront themes like loss, betrayal, and forgiveness even deeper and more emotionally than other Ghostbusters movies we've seen, and said that they took full advantage of CGI technology but also kept old school effects alive. His final comment on the film uh, to Newsweek was that all that, along with some great scares and effects, mean that it's really going to work. Uh, so he didn't offer up anything concrete about the plot, but he certainly kind of is indicating some things about the tone, uh, you know, in terms of uh, emotional stuff that's going to be going on and potentially things like loss and betrayal and forgiveness. And, you know, he's kind of letting us know that there's going to be some things that they've never done in a Ghostbusters movie before, which I'm excited about because we should keep it fresh. Um, but the other piece of information I'll let you know about that's in this article that I would loved and was so excited about is that he also comments on a script he's submitted to Paramount for him and Eddie Murphy as a long tail sequel to Trading Places, a film you can guarantee I'll be watching this month as part of my celebration of the holidays. And that I love, uh, I can't do new years without ghostbusters two or trading places. They're my two things and they both have Dan Aykroyd. So I kind of consider him baby new year at this point to some extent. Uh, but you can take a look at the entire article over at newsweek.com. And if you love Dan Aykroyd, and I mean, what ghostbusters fan doesn't the first episode of the unbelievable, his new show on the history channel about the paranormal is available now and came out on the first of December. So you can go and find it on streaming if you want to. Uh, but the second one will drop this Friday on the 8th. So if you want to start watching that show and pick it up now, you can hop on board and not be too far behind. I think that's the most Frozen Empire news we've had other than like the release of the trailer in a while. But I expect there's going to be some more of it as we get to the closer to the movie in the next few months. So if you're like, wait, why isn't there anything else right now? Well, wait, let's get through the holidays. and I'm sure there will be. 
But let's talk about Ghostbusters video game news for a few moments. The big tease of the week is that it looks like Ilphonic may be getting ready to add Christmas sweaters to the costume options for characters in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. And this is based on social media posts they've made this week. Uh, Ilphonic has announced that they'll be running a holiday sweater party with giveaways and games uh, via their Twitch stream on Wednesday, the 6th at 1 p.m. Uh, PST, 4 p.m. Eastern. And they teased images of Ghostbusters characters within the game wearing sweaters featuring Slimer and Mr. Stay Puffed. This would be the first time Ilphonic did an activation for a holiday other than Halloween, I'm pretty sure. Uh, as many of us who play this game were anticipating seeing Christmas lights in our virtual firehouses last year after seeing Halloween decorations pop up during the spooky season, but we never saw anything materialize for the winter season uh, within the game. So this seems like it'll be a fun way to celebrate the holiday season, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Ilphonic's going to release on Wednesday. It's also worth noting that Ilphonic will be on holiday break from the 16th of this month into the new year, so this will probably be the last Twitch stream from the Spirits Unleashed team until we get into the new year and probably the last new content you're going to see uh, for, you know, or new additions, if not content, at least new add ons in terms of uh, character customizations that you'll see within 2023. So uh, if you're a Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed player, get ready to dress up and come to a holiday party within your uh, firehouse near you soon. <laughs> but uh, in classic video game news, Ghostbusters News and others reported this week on the unveiling of vintage marketing materials for the 1989 Ghostbusters 2 video game for the Nintendo Entertainment System that was produced by Activision. This is not, of course, to be mistaken with New Ghostbusters 2 by HAL, which is the way better game, but we didn't get in the US. I digress. <laughs> Ginger Happy Gaming, a YouTube channel, uh, found a nine minute long presentation that essentially explains the success of the Ghostbusters franchise and tells the story of like what's what it was and how it got marketed out and includes a cut of the music video for Bobby Brown's On Our Own uh, that is different than the actual one released, you know, to MTV and other places because it adds in clips of the game from the Amiga release of the game into the video. Um, so this is a beat up video, I will warn you, uh, if you want to watch it out of the interest of, you know, being a complete Ghostbusters historian and completist, this is a VHS tape, tape that was found in a warehouse that has uh, definitely been put through the ringer and through the test of time, but there is nine minutes of footage there that sort of illustrates uh, what was being done to try and market this game and a potential version of Bobby Brown's on her own that you've never seen before in terms of video format. So, um, Awesome job to Ginger Happy Gaming, the YouTube channel that found this. Uh, and if you aren't familiar with where to find them on YouTube, you can, of course, hop over to Ghostbusters News to find Jason's coverage of it. And keeping with the old video game theme for a moment and with things that Jason's covered over at Ghostbusters News, Jason has two features up that I really want to tell you about that I'm finding fun and enjoyable this week as somebody who just likes video games and classic games. Uh, the first is that Jason has done the most comprehensive deep dive of prototype builds and demo content for the 2009 Ghostbusters game that I think I've ever seen since the game was released. And he's turned out a bunch of alternate scenes, different dialogue and cut segments from that game for folks to take a look at. He's done an amazing job of assembling it all into an outstanding video that you can find in the Ghostbusters News YouTube channel or via GhostbustersNews.com. If you are, like, are a fan of the 2009 game at all, like you should go watch this video because it will be eye opening to see a whole bunch of this content for the first time and to kind of get a glimpse of like what this game could have included that you didn't get in the version that you ended up playing. The other thing Jason did this week, which I have just been fascinated with because I can't believe it's a thing you could do, 
Uh, he fired up Ghostbusters Doom, the old like Ghostbusters add on wad for Doom and then ran it through his VR headset. So rather than going off and playing that, you know, meta quest game, which I know he's also played and done coverage of from End Dreams, he was off playing Doom <laughs> on his VR headset this week. And I got to say, it looks really cool. Um, you can take a look at this video of Ghostbusters Doom because I hadn't seen it in a really long time. But sort of seeing how he interacts with Doom with a VR helmet on as he's playing, you know, terror dogs are chasing him down. And it's these old school 90s graphics of, you know, customized fan made wad that was never released officially for Doom is pretty cool. So if you're an old school Doom head like I am who likes first person shooters from the 90s, go take a look at this because it's really kind of fun to take to just to see, especially if you've, if you've never had the opportunity to play uh, through the wad before and see what it's like. Moving on from video games, we're light on any new official Ghostbusters merch news this week, but I do want to remind you that if you're looking for those Ghostbusters holiday sweaters we talked about on Amazon last week, uh, you probably want to act on those sooner than later, given that the holiday season will probably mean that those go out of stock at some point. They're usually not something kept in stock. So keep in mind that there's po there's uh, sweaters out there from Ripple Junction and Mad Engine that you can grab right now on Amazon. But since there's not a lot of new merch news to talk about this week in an official capacity, let's talk about fan-produced merch for a few moments and an opportunity to be charitable. Our friends over at the New York City Ghostbusters had their telethon last week as we reported on when Ryan Espen was on as a guest, and they did an excellent job of introducing and interviewing nearly two dozen guest franchises that are hosting their own toy drive efforts this year, while also raising funds for a toy drive supporting kids in the South Bronx in New York. You can see the whole list of participating franchises over at GhostbustersToyDrive.com, and you can even watch the whole telethon and replay on YouTube if you want to. But during the telethon, hosts Luna Mars and Charlie Rivera, alongside producer Ryan Espen, worked to raise over $1,800 uh, to help kids in the South Bronx receive toys this holiday season. But they fell a little bit shy of their total goal of $2,023, because it's the year 2023, uh, to make sure that they got the funds they needed to help kids. So it's not too late to help them out. And by doing so, you can get some cool swag by donating $25. You can get a New York City Ghostbusters sticker and a sticker of the Ecto-1 carrying a Christmas tree on its roof, uh, like the family truckster from Christmas Vacation as designed by Chris Sorrentino, a.k.a. Pizza Plasm, the artist behind the R.E.E.L. Ghostbusters series of fan art that sort of swaps or mashes up the real Ghostbusters characters into the scenes from the movie and vice versa. And so for $50, you can also get those two stickers and an enamel pin of the Ecto-1 with the Christmas tree on its roof. For a $75 donation, you get all of those stickers, the pin, uh, and an exclusive Pizza Plasm art print of the Ghostbusters from the real Ghostbusters in front of New York City. And, that, and it's a really nice piece if you haven't seen it already out there. Uh, it's one that has been shopped around since New York Comic Con is an exclusive, but now you can get it as part of this set. And for $100, you get all of the above and a highly coveted New York City Ghostbusters t-shirt. And the best part is that because New York City Ghostbusters are now a 501c3, your donation is tax deductible, meaning there's no PayPal friends and family payments to make or strings attached or weirdness about what you're donating to or who's getting the money or any of that kind of stuff. You just get to help people and in process, you get some cool and exclusive collectibles. Uh, so if you want to help out some kids this holiday season, and you have some extra cash to help out with that effort, uh, you can help by donating to the NYC Ghostbusters and then get them to reach their goal. You can do so by going to nycghostbusters.com and clicking the banner at the top of the page. 
One other piece of fan-produced merch news that I want to let you know about is not new merch, but an opportunity to get merch for cheaper. Our friends over at Phantasm and Toys are offering a 20% discount on their entire Crypt Creepers line with the promo code TASM20. That's T-A-Z-M-2-0. These are, of course, the small mini ghost figures that Brendan and Tony have designed to fit alongside the original Kenner Real Ghostbusters and Kenner Classics figures. And this discount includes all of their in-stock variants, including the -the glow-in-the-dark ones, as well as it seems pre-orders for their Electric Sparkle Blue 2-pack of the Scary Scolaris that'll be out soon. Uh, So if you want to take advantage of this awesome discount, head over to PhantasmToys.com now and use the code TASM20, TASM20. And our last headline for the week um, was stated very aptly by Ghostbusters News this week. Someone has built Ghostbusters Afterlife's proposed Nintendo Game Boy PKE meter. Um, I like to tell you about something at the end of headlines every week that I just think is fun and I love. And I just think, you know, is a good way to go make yourself smile. And this week, that thing is the Ghost Boy. Uh, If you don't know what the Ghost Boy is, this is an idea that Weta Workshop artist Christian Pierce came up with. And he shared on his ArtStation profile last April. It was essentially a modified design for a rebuilt PKE meter that could have been featured in Ghostbusters Afterlife, but ultimately was not utilized. And (laughs) this is essentially a PKE meter that is powered uh, by a classic 1980s or early 1990s Game Boy running Tetris with a hacked ROM. Uh, So this was, of course, a concept art piece that was drawn with diagrams, you know, showing what it did and how it worked. And believe it or not, because our community is awesome, a Redditor, uh, and I'm sorry that I don't know who this is, and if you are out there and you are this person and you want to come forth and let me know, I'll happily give you credit on the next episode, but a Redditor by the name of JPF Zombie has shared a recent build on Reddit um, that illustrates how they mashed up a Game Boy, a Spirit Halloween PKE meter, and, you know, some handiwork and craft work to come up with an actual physical representation of this concept prop. My favorite thing about this is you're going to hear me talk about John Yurkaba, because uh, I do bring this up in the episode with him, is that this thing would, would have played Tetris at inopportune times. Um, and that's a thing that's apparently replicated in the uh, version of this that you see in the video. So if you want to take a look at this, you can go over to uh, Ghostbusters News and check out Jason's coverage of it. It's really awesome, and it's something that made me smile a lot this week. That about wraps up headlines for this week, so let's go now to our conversation with John Yurkaba as we talk about Ghostbusters, comics, and more. Joining me on the podcast, recurring commentator, friend of the podcast, amazing artist, and Kumail Nanjiani's new best friend, John Yurkaba joins us on the program. How are you doing, John? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, it's a it's a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor to to have become so close with such an esteemed uh, actor. <laughs> for, for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about, uh, I thought it was funny. You and I were like, let's do a podcast episode because you you know we haven't had a chance to talk about the Dark Horse <laughs> comics and stuff, and you've been on the show before talking about your art. You were ba- on a few episodes back, like probably eight weeks ago or something. Uh, talking about uh, your October project. And I was like, well, Mm. John should come on and we should talk about the Dark Horse stuff. And John has a print coming out. So that's cool. Like we can talk about his print and his Frozen Empire work. And then like you posted it 
And then the next thing I knew, there was like literally a headline on Ghostbusters news. It was like Kumail Nanjiani has noticed John's work. (laughs) (laughs) So how does it feel to be like now a giant celebrity who's in league and (laughs) going to be invited to all of Kumail Nanjiani's like upcoming affairs? (laughs) Honestly, I've, I've had to take a real hard look at my social calendar and make some sacrifices. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was, it was super cool. Like whenever I draw that kind of stuff, like I always tag the people that are in it, you know, who are like, uh, you know, I drew all the characters I could gather were in the movie from the trailer and put them in the thing and, and tagged any of like the actors and people who I could on social media. And I don't do it with any sort of like expectation or like they, they better see it or any, like, I'm just like, <laughs> ah, you know, why not? <clears throat> so the fact that he said what he said, which it was something to the effect of like, you know, this looks amazing. I hope the movie lives up to your artwork. I was just like, Oh yeah. Hey, thanks. It was a very uh, kind statement. Appreciate it really it. Was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, it was a very nice thing to have said. And I was very happy for you to sort of see your art get a little more recognition from, you know, people over at Ghostbusters land because you've had your you've had your toes dipped into that a few times. And I think your artwork is really appreciated by folks, you know, affiliated and associated with Ghost Corps. I'll say this. I had your uh, piece signed by Paul Feig a few weeks ago. I saw that. Yeah, I took one of your Ghostbusters fan fest pieces of the uh, Ghostbusters 2016 characters and brought that over to have him and Katie Dippold sign in the white space. And I, the minute he looked at it, Paul Feig was like kind of familiar with this thing. And I said, this is the print that was out from FanFest, where we had the three different groups of Ghostbusters all in one print together. I said, and uh, John Yurkaba did it. And he was like, I love John Yurkaba. <laughs> so Paul oh, Feig was immediately like, I know John Yurkaba. I love John Yurkaba. So there you go. There That's- you have some, uh, that's very cool. That's uh, yeah. I when I lived in L.A., I, you know, at Fan Fest and then <clears throat> he used to go to the Perky Nerd Coffee and Comic Shop out in Burbank, which was also the shop that I used to go to a lot. And I, gotcha. I knew uh, Tiffany, who was the owner of it. And there were a couple of times where, like, I literally like left prints there just being like if paul comes by these are for him <laughs> and then she'd like <laughs> send me a text of just like hey paul came by he loved your prints and he took them home and i was like oh awesome <laughs> and uh and then i remember shortly after that movie came out they did like a screening at the chinese theater after the premiere where there was like a q a with him kind of thing yeah and uh i remember i asked him something um but halfway through asking, he was like, I'm sorry, what was your name? And I was like, oh, John. And he's like, are you John from Twitter? I was like, yeah, that's that's me. He's like, oh, my gosh, I love your artwork. I was like, thank you. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's fun to to kind of have that recognition. You know, it's it's yeah. to to have loved Ghostbusters like my whole life and have that be such a not just for the sake of drawing Ghostbusters, but like. That is where my initial creative spark came from. Like my my dad draws and and I learned a lot of like technique and stuff from him. But the drive to like create and to tell stories and to make things up. Like I blame that squarely on Ghostbusters and just (laughs) 
like, you know, having the toys and watching the cartoons and the movies as a little, little kid, like before I can remember. Right. And then at some point just being like, Ooh, I want to make up my own ghostbuster stories and adventures and like take my little Kenner toy proton pack and act them out and pretend like I'm a ghostbuster. And instead of like pretending I'm Peter or Ray or Winston or Egon or whoever, like anytime I put on my costume and my pack, I was just me. And I right. would like run around and be like, it's me, John, the ghostbuster. And at the end of the day, after I <laughs> caught all my ghosts and clock out, I call up headquarters and tell them how much money they owe me and how well that my team <laughs> is doing and all that. Like I was already like world building and expanding the right. lore and stuff in my head and pretending like my favorite scenes in the real Ghostbusters were the ones where they're just like the packs aren't working. And then you see Egon have to like duck behind a corner and he like opens up the body of the proton yeah, gun yeah. and has tiny screwdrivers. He's like, what if I do this? And then I cross the wires, reverse the polarity. Now it should create a beam that functions like this. And then they go back out and they're able to bust the ghost. So I used to love coming up with that level of stuff of just like, what if I was in a situation where I had to get creative about <clears throat> how to bust this ghost or how to, you know, handle this situation. Yeah. And, and then that drove me to go beyond just like acting it out or playing it as like a, a scenario when I was just having fun and wanting to like sit down and draw it and write it and like, like put it down on paper as like in my head, like some kind of official thing where it's just like, boom, here's my ghostbuster story. <laughs> and I used to, I literally used to like just take, pages and pages of copy paper and draw out like you know ghostbusters adventures and then like take it to my mom and be like mom i need you to staple this i i made another <laughs> ghostbusters story see what's kind of funny is like you've gone from taking things to your mom to have your mom staple them to dropping them off <laughs> at the comic book shop to be like, Hey, in case Paul feet comes in to yeah. posting them on social media and getting recognition because your work is getting recognized enough. And it's like, if you put that long tail story together, it's kind of fun to like watch it celebrate in a way. Yeah. And I do mean this. Like when I saw Paul feet, you and I talked that morning. Cause I, t I think I told you I was going to have that piece sign and you yeah. sort of like jokingly said, tell him I said, hi. Yeah, just because like, I I, like no part of me expected that he would remember me, remember me. <laughs> I was just like, I be, like between when Answer the Call came out and like Fan Fest, I think I had indirect interactions with him, if not like straight up met him like half a dozen times. So I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, me and Paul, we go way back. Tell him I said hi, like not actually expecting. No, I, I, I didn't. I know you didn't. But it was so funny because immediately it was like name recognition. Oh, yes, John. And I was like, yeah, I talked to him this morning. He told me to tell you he said hi. <laughs> so I totally did. It was that's like, amazing. That's yeah, so cool. That's, that's an actual also, interaction. I, I had. that you got. <laughs> I love that you got uh, Katie's autograph, too. That's super cool. Like that. I would love to because I have. Yeah. From FanFest, I have um, Paul's autograph on that same piece. Uh, so the fact that you got writer and director, that's that's pretty cool. I got yeah. to uh, the last big convention that I did was here in Phoenix and uh, J. Michael Straczynski was here. And so it was really cool to have been at FanFest oh, awesome. and gotten. um like all of the real Ghostbusters voice actors who were there and right. then just happened to have had him there and be able to tell him like more than like 
it's cool when you meet the voice actors. It's like, oh, you're Vankman, you're Egon, you're Janine, whatever. Right. But it's another thing to like meet someone who's like directly creatively involved. Yeah. In it. And especially yeah. like I love all Ghostbusters movies, video games, comics. Sure. Animation, whatever. But. Like real Ghostbusters had such a massive imprint on me because it was the thing that said, cool, the movies happened, but there's so much else you can do. And it is the thing that really said, oh, there's so many more ghosts, so much more adventure, so many more kinds of gadgets and stories and everything that like it built up. The world of Ghostbusters, so it was like, oh, no, there really is like lore and world building and all this stuff like Tobin's yeah. spirit guide wasn't just a throwaway line that was said a couple times in the movies. It was like, no, they referenced <laughs> that all the time. And it was that kind of thing. So like to be able to have that moment with him of like, hey, like maybe even more so than the movies, like I. The animated series had such a massive impact on me as a fan, but also as a creative person and like a storyteller and an artist and like some of his episodes were obviously some of the best ones. And so to like, thank him yeah. for that. And and he was really appreciative and, and to get his signature, that was really cool. I mean, that's, that's, I have to say too, like not to kind of like, you know, get too far back into my visit to, you know, a Q and a with Paul Feig and my opportunity to talk with him. Um, it was really important to me to kind of meet him, not, you know, just cause he made a ghostbusters movie, but because when I look at the sort of, overall arc of the office episodes that i love you know mm -hmm. he has such a <clears throat> deep connection to that and a deep affiliation with it and for my partner it was important for her because she got to meet you know the person who kind of gave her freaks and geeks and who's yeah. introduced her to a you know a set of comedy and characters and things that she she loved and so i do think it's kind of true like meeting the folks who are involved in the writing and the sort yeah. of world, world world building of you know what you love is kind of important and it's often that, you know, that you think like, oh, meet the person who played somebody. It's like, yeah, that's really cool. And it's really important to like have that interaction. And it's really like not to downplay it by any means, but no, not at all. Yeah. You know, there's a thing about meeting the people who kind of birthed an idea yeah. into being. Those people only got to play those parts because someone sat down and said, it'd be cool if there was a character like this or a story like right. this. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the thing that touches us the most is it's the story. Like it's the fact that those things existed to be acted out. Which is why you getting message from Kumail means nothing now. That's what it means. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm hey, kidding. Whatever. <laughs> I'm kidding. But I, but I mean this, like no. we talked about this a little bit off air. Like, I think that his involvement in comedy is really important. And I'm really glad he's in the upcoming movie because yeah. as a person who kind of watched him come up from stand up comedy to developing the Meltdown uh, TV show that was happening at Meltdown Comics, like for you to, on the one hand, I love to see his career grow. On the other hand, I think it's great that you know, when I'm, if you get something from a celebrity who kind of replies back to your art and says, hey, that's cool. OK, great. But in this case, like <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani actually hangs out in comic book shops. Yeah, I was going to say there's like there's like a deeper there's like a level of like you were in the thing and you liked it. And then there's like a deeper level of like, <laughs> I have a feeling you appreciate this on the level of like nerdiness and art and comics and like right. the fact that he, you know, came out a few weeks ago and said, like, the real Ghostbusters was like he loved it and it was a huge touchstone for like the tone and the vibe of this movie. And I'm right. sitting here like me too. Like every time I sit down to draw ghostbusters, like that is an influence on my style as much as anything else that has influenced me. Right. And, um, and so like, 
it's this cool, like, obviously we didn't have like an extensive conversation or anything, no, but it's this cool but, little moment of like, I see you, you know? Right. And that's what I thought was kind of cool about it was that I began thinking about how the meltdown, um, you know, TV show he made on comedy central with Jonah Ray, where they were doing stand-up comedy came out of the fact that they began doing that in the back of meltdown comics in LA. Mm-hmm. And that became a podcasting theater space that, um, always had a cricket issue. If you listen to any of the podcasts <laughs> that were taped there, people would begin making references to the crickets that lived in the back of Meltdown Comics <laughs> and that would permeate Dude, that- every episode of Doug Loves Movies that was made there. But, um, you know, like it kind of took off there and became a recording yeah. space because there was money invested because of the awesome sort of nerdy comedy stuff that was being created in the back of that comic book store. So it's one of those reasons why when I saw his sort of ring endorsement, I went like, okay, it's cool to get recognized by a person in the movie that you really want to see, but it's also really cool when that person actually has a kind of like deeper connection to. Yeah. And it's crazy too. Like, like we were, we were talking about how I lived in LA for a while and that was literally the closest comic shop to my apartment and I could walk there. Like I'd walk my dog there and they had a sign in the window that was like, Hey, 10% off if you bring your dog in. And there, you know, it was the first comic shop where, you know, my wife came in with me and bought a comic book. It was I I went there for tons of events. I remember like not the the podcasting like room, but like there was like a back basement kind of area and they used to have little art shows there. I, I remember I met the guy who plays Rocky in Power Rangers and like showed him some Power Rangers art that I had done and got to take a picture holding his like blue Zeo Ranger helmet, which was really cool for me. Yeah. Cause like Zeo was, was like one of my favorite seasons of power Rangers. So it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was such a cool space. Yeah. If I, if I wasn't going out to Burbank to go to the perky nerd, I was going to meltdown. I remember when it closed and it, it bummed me out, man. Like it was yeah. a really cool shop. It closed and then it burned after it closed. Yeah. It was sort of, you know, it was like, this is over now. And we still got Golden Apple, which is like Golden yeah. Apple is also an amazing comic shop and has sure. tons of history and lots of really cool stuff. All the celebrities and actors and directors that come through and sign the R2D2 that's there. And so that's a that's another really L.A. L.A. is not hurting for awesome comic shops. No. So to me, it's like there's a period of L.A. that's, you know, that's very much like that that time of meltdown is kind of gone. And I think that that yeah, period of yeah. comedy has changed a bit, but I'm excited because Kumail's back doing stand up. So we've talked a bunch about Kumail now. I hope we didn't just make everybody be like, indulge us as <laughs> people who know about Los Angeles and who like Kumail Nanjiani. I mean, listen, 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 he's he at this point, he has not only has he been in a bunch of great movies in general, but he is in Star Wars. He's in Marvel yeah. and now he's in Ghostbusters. Like, yeah. that's super cool. Yeah, he's like literally just going to do like a, he's he racking him up. some sort of bingo system, like a bingo game. That just we got to get him franchise. in D.C. We got to get him in Star Trek. Like, let's he's just be cross a Terminator movie. He's got to be in a <laughs> <laughs> he is the next Terminator. That's the deal. I heard he's taken they're over for Indiana that. Jones. <laughs> well, they're going to ha- give him like big workout that he gave. They gave him for the Marvel movies to get him all jacked up, because like when I was watching Kumail do stand up. He was like a wiry dude who was in the back of it. Like he became a more Jack dude for those movies. Yeah. And he openly tweeted about it and talked about his like sort of body transformation in order to get prep for a Marvel movie. So if they just get him back into even deeper prep, 
he can become the next Terminator. He'll just become yeah. Arnold size <laughs> and then it's fine. Yeah. And then he, you know, he can come back and wear an even bigger flight suit, presuming he wears yeah. one in the next movie. I'm just presuming he wears one in the next movie. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm excited about the uh, sort of little nod you got. We should talk about the print since we talked all about the the nod you yeah, got for yeah. the print. Uh, you have this print out um, that you put a Frozen Empire print out that's kind of inspired by the movie. Uh, tell us a bit about kind of the print you have out and what's going yeah. on. Yeah, so it's uh, it's 11 by 17. I've got it up in my shop right now. If you go on any of my social media, you can see the image, like the the art itself. Literally, it's it's just me being me. Like, I can't see that there's new Ghostbuster stuff and not be too like not be hyped enough to draw something. And I it was funny because this time I think my pencil started moving before I realized what I was in for, because there are a lot of characters in this movie. And not just characters, but like there's a ton of Ghostbusters in this movie. Right. And uh, and so like I I wanted to draw something that just like captured the whole vibe in one shot. And uh, yeah, it was it was tricky trying to get all of those characters in there in a composition that felt like well balanced and everything. Um. But I, I think it turned out pretty good. I had a lot of fun doing it. And and there's stuff in there that just like happened to work out really well. Like we still don't know podcasts name and we still don't know no, all the don't. names of all the characters like the the guy that uh, James Acaster is playing. Like we see him in the movie and we see him wearing the gear and the uniform and stuff, but we never see his name tape. And so just by happenstance, like I, this was not planned at all, but like I ended up drawing pot him and podcast in a position where it's like their names are covered up anyway. So I was like, Oh, that's nifty. But that's also <laughs> by virtue of like, I'm trying to cram people in every nook and cranny of this image right. in a way that feels like it makes visual sense. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, and then like I put Janine in there. I don't think, I, you know, Janine's not in the trailer as far as I could tell, but right. I also, you know, I can't imagine that Janine wouldn't be back. And, and so even if she's not, I mean, like the where you placed her in the image gives her sort of like you have your OG Ghostbusters kind of looking. Over yeah. The cat, yeah. the new cast kind of in the background. And so it yeah, kind of, kind of gives she's back there. I like the way you yeah. did it with the layout. Like I wanted yeah. to give that vibe of like they're kind of reacting to like, oh, no, stuff is happening. What are we going to do? And then in the more immediate foreground, you've got the actual like, like, obviously, we see Winston, you know, wearing the gear and the trailer and everything. Like, I'm sure the OGs are going to get some action. Right. But I I have a feeling like, generally speaking, they're going to be more in a mentor role. And uh, so the idea of them just kind of being there like, oh, no, what's happening? But then in the foreground, you have more of like the younger people and the newer characters who are looking more like the ones who are going to handle the brunt of like whatever the issue is. Yeah, I, I really love it. I think it's a great piece. Um, I also you. think that this may be the first drawing we've seen that incorporates the new um, accents and things on the Ecto one. Uh, yeah, I was trying to think about it and I was like, I don't think anything else we've seen yet outside of what was seen when people were mm. filming, um, you know, <laughs> that we've seen an actual official image of that yet, because even in the trailer, like when you see the Ecto one, the way it 
it appears on screen. Like you see some of the changes, like the hose has changed. And stuff, yeah, but it's but from like, a low angle, like the hoses right. are a different color, but it's this like it's always had hoses. So it's you don't see like the red <laughs> stripes or anything. And so it's uh yeah, it was fun. Like I, I loved just kind of like going in and trying to like for me, that is like like I said, you know, as a kid, I was always acting out these scenarios where it's like I have my own Ghostbusters team. I'm my own Ghostbuster and I have to get creative about how to handle issues on the fly yeah. because, oh, no, the it's not working the way I thought it would. And I I used to love like I used to take like a uh, toilet paper rolls and like paper towel rolls and and cardboard and stuff in the same way that you'd see them do like in. um in the series when the the mm-hmm. second time they're fighting the boogeyman and Egon is like, look, the atomic destabilizer, it can turn corporeal <laughs> entities into non-corporeal so we can trap him. And it it's clearly just like a modified proton gun. And the, there's right. other episodes where they're like, you know, connecting multiple proton packs together to make a big bomb or they're creating add ons to like the packs or the guns or whatever. I used to do that kind of stuff. I like take, you know, tape and glue and and markers and like make these things that I would then like rubber band to my proton gun and be like, don't worry, I've got this new gadget that allows me to save the day. (laughs) And so like I get a kick out of the idea of like what's next? Like how are the uniforms going to change? How's the gear going to change? What upgrades are they going to make? How do we evolve ghostbusters but still make it feel like ghostbusters like that's the stuff i do for fun when i'm just creating things and so anytime like something new is added to ghostbusters in an official way i'm just like oh i gotta draw that that's awesome so it (laughs) was really cool to yeah you uh you managed to make sure that you gave prominent focus to the most important addition to the ghostbusters canon coming in the upcoming movie which is of course the standard issue red parka yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i had to i mean a like phoebe is you know wearing it in the movie and and you know we don't know necessarily what the the story or the the anything of the new film is so far other than what we've seen in the trailer but you know for this new chapter of ghostbusters as of the end of afterlife she's you know, she's like a main character. She's kind of like yeah. the 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 flagship character of the franchise so far. So I, I thought it made sense to kind of put her front and center and have her in the parka because that's everybody's new favorite, you know, number one Christmas boutique <laughs> gift item. And uh, and so, yeah, it just and it's it's all about variety. I mean, like I tried to I got the parkas in there. I, you know, in the trailer, it looks like both. um Lucky and uh, James A. Caster's character are wearing some sort of the the camera never dips low enough to see if it's a full suit or a jacket. I'm assuming it's a uniform, but they look black or at least very dark colored. And then there's a shot where Lucky is in a room and there's like a red alarm going off and there's a close up on the arm of the the outfit or whatever. And you can see that there is a, a patch there. And the patch, like the the Ghostbusters logo, it looks like the red circle has like a gear motif to it. And like when you read the the synopsis about like the Ghostbusters have established a new laboratory to test, you know, evolving ghostbusting techniques and equipment or whatever it said, it was just like, oh, is she like our lucky and and the new guy like 
are is there actual like divisions of Ghostbusters now where it's like this is the lab crew or like the 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 more science division or whatever. And then we've got right. like the field team. And I'm just like, this is everything I've ever dreamed about <laughs> Ghostbusters becoming and doing. And it's so exciting. And I, I love drawing it. Like, it's just, it's the coolest thing to like, I, I, I think I said it in the, when I posted the art and I've said it tons of times to tons of people, but like, this is kind of the era of Ghostbusters that I've always dreamed of. Like even as a kid, it was like I was taking in the cartoons and the movies as they were coming out and be like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. And then my mind would always drift to like, you know, as a kid, if Ghostbusters was real and to some degree afterlife kind of defeated this, but that was like circumstantial because it was like the Spangler family. But as a kid, you're just like, I'm not old enough to be a Ghostbuster. I know I'm playing Ghostbusters right now. What right. in a fictional world would Ghostbusters be like? When I'm old enough to be a Ghostbuster, whether that's like the legal working age or 18 or 21 or whatever the age requirement would be like, what will Ghostbusters be like at that point in time when I'm old enough to actually be one? And uh, and I would dream of like, how would stuff change? How would it upgrade? Would there be Ghostbusters in different areas? Would there be, you know, Ghostbusters who only handle this and only handle this? And and it was just. Like to see some of that stuff finally coming to fruition in, a, in an official capacity is just like, yes, yeah. this is what I've wanted. Well, it's kind of funny, like not to like sidetrack from the discussion of like your printer of the next movie and things like that. But um, there was a uh, there was a story that Ghostbusters News had this past week about um, a PKE meter build that mm-hmm. was like it was had a, a Game Boy at the core of it. Right. And it. Yeah. Was, I don't know if you saw this, like, because I know you're a gearhead who likes to imagine think, different kinds of I think gear. It, I think there was a, it, like, if you look through the afterlife concept art, that yes. was one of the things they were playing with. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, to be fair, if you're listening out there and you're the person who produced that PKE meter, I just, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are because I know when Jason wrote the story up, he credited a user on Reddit and wasn't sure whose actual PKE meter yeah. it is, but Dude. he was like, check out this story. And I thought this was so cool because like you just said, it is an actual piece of concept like that there would have been a rebuilt PKE meter, presumably mm-hmm. um, from my standpoint, I was like, I wonder if that would have happened in the scene where, where Callie, they have a deleted version of the story where Callie destroys the PKE meter uh, and breaks the connection. between. Oh, and maybe that would have been how they rebuilt it. Yeah, right. That she would have rebuilt it using parts from around the house, including an old Game Boy that apparently Egon had laying around or something. <laughs> that would have been but- amazing, dude. <laughs> My favorite piece of like, I think I think it's such a cool like piece that's out there, but I love the idea that was apparently in the original concept uh, was that the PKE meter would would utilize a hacked Tetris ROM in order to run its operating system. And so at inopportune times during the movie, the PKE meter just would have been going do 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 and I was like oh man I love it oh my god that's brilliant like I would have thought of that kind of thing as a kid like oh yeah I'm gonna make it out of PKE meter what would you what sounds does it make well now it just plays Tetris oh man that was so there was a a while ago before I did October I think it might have been like 2017 like post post answer the call but I I would for Halloween for October, I had been doing this thing where like every week I was drawing like a, a page of a Ghostbusters comic that I had made up. And, uh, it was, it was just the originals, like the OGs doing a Halloween thing, nothing groundbreaking. Um, 
but I was like sneaking in little stuff just for fun. Like there's a, a, a part where they bust a bunch of ghosts and then raise just like, you know, uh, or I, I can't, someone says to Ray, like, man, the upgrades on these packs are really coming in handy and, and Ray's just kind of like, I did all right, huh? And it's, it was just an <laughs> excuse for me to like draw the pack slightly upgraded. And then there's a scene where like they get into Ecto one because they're following a PKE signal and you see like somebody pulls out their PKE meter and I drew it to look like the one from the video game where it's kind of like the full screen is like the whole body of the PKE meter. And instead of like it just being like, okay, let's use the PKE meter. It was like they took the body of the PKE meter out of like basically like what was the holder in the antenna. So it looked just like a little smartphone and then they docked it in the dashboard of the Ecto-1. So it could then use the stronger like PKE sensors from the roof. And then they'd use that almost like a, like they'd have GPS, but then they'd also have that as like a way to be like the signal is getting stronger or whatever. (laughs) So I, I love that idea of like just subtle ways where it's like this is still the same piece of gear but it can be used in a new way like like yeah. uh in afterlife when you realize like oh the pke meter is also a taser now right or like i'm sure we're gonna find out when we get to see what the proton pack can do now that the proton pack has had the yeah changes oh my gosh it's had because like there's love- no way we don't see some new mode right there's got to be yeah. some some new I stuff it does the upgrades to the proton pack i love that there's some color in there now like if you look at a lot of my Ghostbusters art, one of the things I always loved to do was uh, I love that in um, the real Ghostbusters, the bumper on the proton pack is gray. Right. And I love doing that. Like, I love having that even when I'm drawing like the movie versions of the characters, because it breaks up the just like everything's black kind of vibe. Right. And so having like the caution stripe pattern on one side of the pack and then having yellow bumpers and everything like I, and then the, some of the paneling on the side of the the gun, like it's such a, like it's, it adds this like splash of color to it. That feels like that's exactly what it needed. Like yeah. that's exactly if you were going to do something like that, that's exactly what you do. And it looks fantastic. So along these lines, since we haven't really talked about it yet, um, I wanted to talk with you about the Dark Horse miniseries that's coming out. Sure. Right. Which is kind of going to tell the story, presumably, about how some of those changes happened. Right. Because it's supposed to be set as a, I think, four issue miniseries. Is that right? Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong about that. I think it's, that's um, right. Yeah. I think it's four. Uh, that's going to come out uh, the 27th of March. So around like the same, I guess, a couple days before the movie comes out. And it's supposed to tell the story of how the Spengler family comes back in town because that's the name of the miniseries is back in town. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I wanted to talk with you a bit about this because I think that, you know, you have an interest in it, obviously as a comic book artist and as a Ghostbusters fan, but I wanted to ask you a question up front because sure. it's, it's a question about how I look at, like, I'm excited about this and I want to see this story t- told. That being said, I want to see a story that's going to continue to kind of progress and carry on in comic form. And so mm-hmm. I guess I when I heard Jason Reitman back at Ectofest uh, and Gil Cannon back at Ectofest talk about the idea that uh, we were going to have a limited series, I guess I was thinking that it would be longer than four issues. Sure. <laughs> and so do you think that they can reasonably tell a good story about 
how the transition happens between what we saw at the end of Afterlife and what we see in the trailer in four issues. Like, would you be find that daunting or oh, do you think that's a reasonable task? I think that's totally doable. I the, it, it's. It's crazy how much you can do in 20 issues of comic book, and there are a lot of like four issue miniseries that exist across comics like Marvel, DC, IDW, whatever that tell stories in that time frame really well. And especially for basically what amounts to an in-between story, it's, you know, yeah. it's going to be, it's, you know, it's, it takes place sometime, like you said, between the end of afterlife, excuse me. And, um, and the beginning of frozen empire. And I would imagine it's going to be even more than that. Like, not to get too into the weeds and not to like make a big deal out of something that shouldn't be made a big deal out of, but you know, they, we've kind of talked about before the idea of spirits unleashed being like a soft continuity. Sure. I would not be surprised if this kind of, you know how that game opens and you see like the time lapse of the firehouse being rebuilt and Winston walking into it and everything. I would not be surprised if it's kind of a thing where like it starts with the Spanglers wrapping up whatever needs to be wrapped up at, you know, in Somerville mm -hmm. yeah. at the same time that Winston is like getting the firehouse up and running. And then the story ends with them arriving in New York. It, I mean, it could go a bunch of ways like back in town could mean like, oh, the maybe the story begins with them arriving back in new york and then it's that process of like getting the firehouse back up and running or maybe it's it's the journey from you know somerville back to new york and maybe something happens along the way maybe maybe it's like there's a a trap in the back of the ecto-1 that they didn't realize was full i've wondered um if the first episode if the first book is going to be like them driving back to new york and the second book it's just going to be them taking 198 traps one at a time <laughs> and putting each of them into the containment unit Man, to store pieces of gozer. <laughs> I, 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 somebody, somebody mentioned that in a, uh, I think it might've been, uh, when Craig talked about the comic on yes, have some, but like somebody mentioned was like, I hope they explain what happened to gozer. And I'm like, gozer got trapped. Like, what right. are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, but what did they do with it afterward? And I'm like, well, you see, you take the trap <laughs> and you put it in the containment unit. And now they just have to do it like 90 more times than it normal. It does beg this question, so, though. What did it does beg this question, though? Consider this. Egon didn't seem to have a containment unit on site in the Somerville. So no. what was his plan for 198 I, traps? I, I imagine if if it had actually worked, like if he had been able to like not die, capture Gozer, all that kind of stuff. A, all those traps are hooked up to a power source. So it's not like ideally they weren't going to like short out or run out of juice right. and let Gozer out. And B, then he probably would have called Ray up and be like, see, I told you now come right. help me with these traps. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think like that there has to be this transition story that kind of tells us a bit about, yeah. how they leave Somerville. Right. And I think that that's alluded to the yeah. uh, alternate cover art. You know, there's two beautiful covers that have been released by dark horse and sort of preview of this. And um, you can actually like 
already pre-ordered this issue if yeah. you want to at your local comic book store uh, for $3.99. But uh, the uh, the two covers they released, one of which has like the Spangler family um, and there's a bridge to the left of them sort of in the background and then the firehouse and kind of like depicts them kind of standing in front of the firehouse and has a big thing. It says not like a art. collage of characters <laughs> and things and stuff. Yeah. And then there's the one that I actually think is more beautiful, but that I also like drives that me, but it drives me insane <laughs> because <laughs> like it's the, it's the cover I talked about in the episode a few weeks ago of, um, a Subaru outback parked at a gas pump with the Ecto one on a trailer behind it. And, uh, you know, Trevor is wearing a spinner shirt and is pulling a tarp off the Ecto one in the back of it, like checking on it. And the artwork is beautiful. I really do. Like, I can't stress enough how much I love this particular piece uh, that I think was is was done by Steve Morris, if I'm not mistaken. I think Kyle Lambert is the one who did the uh, the, the traditional cover, <laughs> but it's driving me crazy. And I want to ask you what you think about this. I am OK with the idea that like particles can be accelerated and catch ghosts and do all kinds of things and that we can break science not break it. We can build on science. If that makes sense. Yeah, like we don't, you get and that's my view it. is like, you don't break science in the ghostbusters universe too hard. If you do, it's what makes people start to get, you know, a little upset. It's where people go, well, if Trevor shoots the big thing and then at the end of afterlife, sure, it shouldn't actually yeah. power it up because it's not Which, electricity. And you're like, calm down. But <laughs> I'm like, have, if, how did you like, you've clearly never watched the animated series because it felt like every five episodes, they were like, just shoot into the thing or use right. the gun to activate it or whatever. But I'm still struggling with the sort of credulity of the fact that the Subaru Outback, which has the maximum towing capacity of 2000 pounds. Is somehow towing the Ecto one which has an unladen before equipment weight of probably like 7,000 pounds without trailer. <laughs> right. Honestly, so. that had not even crossed my mind. Like <laughs> I was just like, cool. Towing the, towing the Ecto. <laughs> so this was my question for you is like, are you willing to give that a pass because the artwork is beautiful? Right. Like, this is where I'm like, I love Honestly, the artwork, but I'm also like, you're setting up a story where you're well, telling me that the Subaru Outback can tow the Ecto one. Why not just make the Subaru out back into the next Ecto one? <laughs> well, I think I think I mean, yeah, I'm definitely willing to give it a pass. And it's because like no part of me was like the thought of, wait, can that happen? Didn't cross <laughs> my mind. Like I literally like it wasn't even something that I would have thought to question. Obviously, if it was real life. I mean, I probably would have learned the hard way if I if that was me, I probably would have been like, OK, we need a trailer. We need a way to hook it up. We got it hooked up. OK, let's go. And then I would have realized, oh, I can't do that. Like, that's not something I would have even thought about. It, literally, you bringing it up. I was like, oh, I guess that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but yeah, no, to me, I'm just like, it's fine. Like, I don't need an explanation of like why the Subaru can do that. It feels like well, it's just kind of a. <laughs> like it is just like it for me that fits firmly under like suspension of disbelief. See, and that's where I struggle because I, I sort of laughed about this with somebody else recently that like I can suspend disbelief on the notion that proton packs exist, that ghosts exist, etc. But there's certain elements of science and physics that I'm like, mm, now you're messing <laughs> with gravity. 
Now you're now you're you're fucking around with the gravitational constant <laughs> on the planet with respect to this car. And oh I have a hard goodness. time with that. You know, it's just <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a universe that presumes that if the ionization rate of a spiritual entity is constant, then you can really bust some heads in a spiritual sense because you can design a trap around those kinds of constants. So why do you get to mess with the gravitational constants around the Ecto one? Right. <laughs> And I've heard people suggest to me that, like, maybe Phoebe invents some, like, field generators that go around the trailer (laughs) that make the car lighter. I (laughs) I could imagine, like, honestly, if if they felt the need to explain it, all it would take is a couple panels of, you know, them looking around and being like, well, how are we going to move that? And then (laughs) Callie being like, we can't. It's too heavy. And then Phoebe being like, give me a second. And then, like cut to the next panel and she's like strapped it down in a certain way. And she's like, you know, tweaking some little emitter looking things that she's put on it. And Callie's just like, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And she'll just be like, start the car, mom. And then they'll start moving and she'll be like, how did you? And then she just grins. That's it. Like I just <laughs> see t- Phoebe figured it out. That's all I need to know. I feel like that could work in a comic book context. But if you put that on screen, people would be like, what? <laughs> like you have yeah. to explain it. And so this is what I wanted to kind of dig at with you for a second is do you think that there is like in a context of telling a story that has to also be sort of certified canon with the film? Do you have that same level of flexibility and kind of say willing um, <laughs> the narrative elements into existence in that way? Yeah, 100%. Is that allowed? Like, it, okay. honestly, like the car thing does not bother me at all because I I genuinely don't know that it's something that everybody was going to look at and be like, wait, you can't do that because I don't <laughs> think people are looking up like I love you, Jim. You're great. But I don't know that the average person is looking up the weight of the Ecto one versus the towing capacity of the Subaru <laughs> or that they just know it in a way that's like that can't happen. And this cover is inaccurate. Look, I only say this because you've only ever seen an Ecto-1 pulled on a flatbed truck, even in the real world. You, Or in the argument of how it went to the UK, it got put on a plane. (laughs) And And I think for me, like my. I looked at that and the reason like those things didn't even take me out of like the ability to just look at the cover and and take it as is is because I was like, well, of course they're going to fly it to the UK because it's like you could have put it (laughs) on a boat, but you know, whatever. And then of course you see it towed on like a flatbed truck because that's not safer. I mean, like, yes, obviously we know for a fact that it's safer because of like towing capacity, but also it's safer to have it like strapped down onto the vehicle as opposed to like on a, on like a hitch on a on a trailer that could come loose and like if you put it on the truck and strap it down like you're good to go like it's not going <laughs> right. anywhere and so the idea that the spanglers all they have is their car and they hitch it to the back of it which by the way like i think i remember uh i think in jason reitman's stories he came out because so many people had been like yeah he did Wait, that's not how the movie ended he was like <laughs> originally in the script they were going to tow the ecto one back to new york right and then he changed it for what they actually shot so this cover is just like an homage to that that vibe sure. and that idea it's not yeah. like this is the new canon or we've broken canon no, or anything I, but, I don't think so either right but yeah i think that uh yeah, I, it, it honestly like 
didn't even cross my mind as something to question. If if that is how the movie had ended, I wouldn't have questioned it if I had seen it on screen. And if we didn't know that that's what happened and then like they gave me the script and said, like, John, draw this comic. And in the comic, they tow the Ecto one back with their Subaru, like questioning that would have never even been something that crossed my head. I would have been like, cool, drawing a Subaru, towing the Ecto one. Got it. <laughs> I will say this. I want to see that car, the Subaru Outback. I want to see it done up as an Ecto for two reasons. <laughs> one. It is like a 23 year old Subaru. It's not like a current one. It's like 23 Mm. years old. And so it actually has the authentic aged patina to be an Ecto, right? It's like this car Uh is old enough to be an Ecto one because clearly you have to have an old car for an Ecto one. And two years ago, like on GB fans, there was a guy who posted a Subaru outpack and people like hate at it. Uh, what was his name? It was like Boomer Jinx or something like that. Right? I don't know. I don't want to assign anything yeah. to anybody. But I remember years ago, somebody posted their Subaru Outback as their Ecto. And people were like, that's ridiculous. How could a Subaru <laughs> Outback ever be an Ecto-1? <laughs> so now to have How a Subaru dare Outback. When we have Subaru very Outback, strict rules about this fandom. Come on. Right. So when the Subaru Outback like turned up as the Spangler car in Afterlife, I thought that was amusing. But now yeah. to have it towing the Ecto-1. If you don't then turn it into Ecto two, like you've done something wrong. Like you're not just doing one conversion here by the end of the next movie. We like I if we're if we still have Ecto one around, we also need Ecto two. That's I, just, I think that's the my deal. my secret. I, it's not a secret. I'm about to tell everybody. But my <laughs> my if you were going to ask me, like, without having seen the movie and just imagining like where it could go and what could happen and what might be next. Like the fact that we have so many Ghostbusters now, I have a desire like I would love it if um, if it kind of became like a fire station in the sense that like you usually have like multiple trucks assigned to a fire station. And there's like like I I love the idea of having like another Ecto added, like having, you know, the Spanglers can roll out in one Ecto and then another team can roll out in the other just in case there's like two calls at once or something really big happening. And I think that would be really cool to start. Like, you know, we we're adding people. We're adding equipment. And I love the idea of like maybe the next thing to add is like an additional vehicle. Yeah, um, I would love to see that. And I'm kind of hopeful to see like how the uh, firehouse gets restocked so to speak over the course of this book you know so um yeah i don't know like i'm i guess if it's four issues for the book coming out does that mean probably like how long does that take to finish up about four months like once it starts it's yeah and especially like most comics you've like the people who have been working on it have been approached i mean they they announced you know they gave a first look at uh the artist had done some like character sketches and stuff back yeah, on yeah. Ghostbusters day. And so I think, you know, by that point, you, you've probably already at least given them the assignment, if not like they're already, you know, starting to draw the pages. And so I would imagine, you know, there's every reason to believe it's going to come out on time. And if it comes out on time and the first issue hits in March, when the movie comes out, March, April, May, June, I'm assuming the last issue will come out around Ghostbusters Day or, you know, sometime I've, within a few weeks of that. I've wondered to some extent how much it might be actually done because the original slated release date for it was at the end of this year. 
That was what mm-hmm. was announced yeah. when they kind of announced it was, oh, it'll be out by the end of 2023. Well, and I think so. and I think the idea for that was like, let's whenever the movie comes out, let's make that when we release the first issue. And I think what they've probably done is like, yeah, it, like the entire book might already be done and they've just been waiting like, OK, wherever the movie lands, that's when the first issue drops. Yeah, I, that's kind of what I was thinking about, too. And what it makes me wonder is. um. It, will that first issue set up the story and kind of close the story on how they get back to the firehouse such that when we walk into the theaters, you're not relying on three more months of issues to tell you a full story that sets up the movie, right? Like how does that get structured out such that the two things can exist together and you're not, I'd be pretty them, surprised. You know, I'd be pretty, pretty surprised if that happened. I, I have a feeling that when frozen empire starts, like whether they meant to or not, they will have already even bypassed like overlapping spirits unleashed. Like, I, I feel like it's going to be a situation where like the firehouse is already up and running. The the Spanglers are already busting ghosts. There's already like the lab division or whatever, like everything about the movie is already kind of set. And we're just jumping in, you know. Shortly after to to catch up with everyone, to me, um, Spirits Unleashed feels like it it takes place in like like if you were going to look at it in like chunks of continuity, it's like afterlife, then this comic book, then Spirits Unleashed and then uh, Frozen Empire. And that's not to say this is what I was alluding to earlier. Like, it, it's not to say that, like, oh, to understand anything, you have to go play Spirits Unleashed. But that feels one of the things that's great about Spirits Unleashed is it is told and executed in a way where it's like, if you never played it, you're going to be fine because all you have to know is like at the end of afterlife, everybody came back to New York and at the beginning of frozen empire, everybody's in New York and they're busting ghosts. So if you tell stories in between there, like, Hey, here's a story about like Winston reopens the firehouse for business. And now he's got a bunch of interns, including you as a player working at the firehouse as ghostbusters. And then you get to Frozen Empire and those characters aren't around. It's easily explainable. It's like, well, they were interns. By the time we get to Frozen Empire, they moved on with their lives because they were never going to be permanent employees. And then, you know, whatever happens in this comic book, like I'm assuming it'll be done in a similar way where it's like if you've read it. Awesome. Like, you know, deeper, more, you know, nitty gritty details about the world of Ghostbusters. But if not, it's not going to hurt you, you know? What it kind of reminds me of is when the J.J. Abrams era of Star Trek came out, there was a transition there that you had to tell a story of how the old universe was kind of not erased because it was an alternate universe, but sort of the events that led up to that. And you didn't need to read this comic book series, but there was a comic book series that was similarly like a four um, issue miniseries that told the story of like how data came back and was captain of the enterprise and um okay it gave you the pieces of sort of like the um like po- the politics that surrounded what was going on with romulus and the empire or the empire the federation and you didn't ever need to read this thing like you could totally throw it out yeah. and it wouldn't matter but yeah. it kind of explained things like what red matter was and yeah like what, yeah, what was involved I, I with love, that you know i love that kind of stuff i love when when franchises and like 
stories that have a lot of like world building potential. Like you can go over to like a corner of that world or a gap in that world and tell a story and not affect continuity. It, it kind of, honestly, it kind of reminds me of like of uh, of Rogue One. We're like, yeah, we've been able to live with the, you know, Star Wars episodes three through six or four through six for decades and never question like, but how did that happen? Like it was fine. Right. We got it. But then they went back and did row one and it fits seamlessly in the timeline. Right. And it gave us this really cool, juicy story that like, honestly, it's maybe my favorite Star Wars movie now. And I love yeah. the idea of being able to look at a, a long running story or a franchise and say, well, where are the places like that where we can dive in and be like, oh, wait, there's something here. Right. And I think that to me, like that analogy, the the um, the series I'm thinking of is called Countdown. And yeah, it essentially like gave the backstory of who the like villain was that you didn't need to know. Like you could watch that J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie and find out, oh, he's a guy who's mad because his planet got wrecked and blowed up. Um, so he yeah. wants to go commit revenge. But it gave you like more origin about that character. It gave you more origins about things like, you know, before and data. Uh, you know, the other Android that is sort of introduced in the previous uh, movie from um, from Nemesis with uh, mm -hmm. with where the guy who is Tom Hardy. Yeah, that's his name. Um, <laughs> the, the guy, guy who is Tom Hardy, like we're <laughs> the artist formerly known as Prince, the guy who yeah. is Tom Hardy. <laughs> hey, I'm lucky I didn't say Tom Henry. I confuse these two people all the time, even though they're totally different people. Shout out to Tom Henry. We got to get unit. him to dress up as Bane now. <laughs> Yeah, of course. He has to go. That's what's really got to happen is he has to go do autographs with Tom Hardy. So there can be Tom Hardy meets Tom Henry and I can get yeah. really confused. But uh, like getting back to comic book stuff, it's that sort of interstitial piece that's offered up there where you don't have to have read this at all in order yeah. to appreciate the movie. But if you do, it adds a layer of nuance to the story. Yeah. And what I'm sort of intrigued by is the fact that in this case, that miniseries is going to develop after the movie's out, whereas yeah. Countdown, like when they did it for Star Trek, Countdown was a lead up. It was like a month before the movie comes yeah. out where you're going to be able to read each of these, you know, or whatever it was, four months, three months. You're going to get these issues before the movie comes out to kind of introduce these people. Like when it came out, it was a build up to the movie and the sort of choice here to release the first issue alongside the movie for this miniseries makes me wonder Will this really be a lead up story all the way to the new movie or is it going? I, to be I don't think it its will own encapsulated I, bubble story, you know? Yeah, I think it's going to be a bubble story. I'd be surprised. And I'm not saying this in a way where I'm like, it's bad if it doesn't do it. But I'd be surprised if them arriving in New York isn't like the last thing that happens in the fourth issue. Like, right. I, I genuinely think that it's going to be more of like a not the. This comparison is only to to juxtapose like the way that they fit into their respective timelines. But I think it's going to end up being more like a Rogue One kind of thing where it's like, you know, where the last the story before it ends and we're going to know where the story after it begins. And this just kind of fits snugly in between. Like you don't have to have read it. You like it's not it's not something where like if you haven't read it, then you'll be lost when Frozen Empire begins. It's going to be something that even when it ends, it's like it might not necessarily be like this is the last panel of the comic is what would have been the frame before right. Frozen Empire starts. It's just going to be like, hey, 
somewhere in between Afterlife and Frozen Empire, the Spanglers took a really long road trip and went back to New York. <laughs> it's, it's them stopping at a bunch of like. Buckies. I think I, I yeah, I mean, and I think I read somewhere that uh, what was it? Um, I think it might have been in in one of the articles that came out that was a. Uh, just kind of hyping up the comic around the same time that all the covers were released and stuff that talked about how one of the aspects of the story is going to be kind of like Gruberson dealing with, you know, stepdad feelings and just, just this idea of like, he's kind of just part of the family now. Like he's with Callie, she has these kids and now it's more than just like, he's the awkward teacher that got wrapped up in all this, you know, paranormal chaos. It's like, Oh, he's, with us now and he's coming with us to new york the dark horse synopsis right was an all-new ghostbusting adventure arrives march 2024 in the form of a new series from dark horse comics ghostbusters back in town this new four issue series bridges the gap between ghostbusters afterlife and its upcoming sequel ghostbusters frozen empire a year and a half after the events of ghostbusters afterlife the ghostbusters are officially back in business and headed to where it all began new york city Callie, Gary, Trevor, and Phoebe are moving into the firehouse and ready to take on the Spengler family business. Or are they? Ghostbusting on top of changing family dynamics has a way of going awry, and that's exactly what one paranormal force is counting on. So oh, it does okay. sound like okay. So I take back everything I said. I think. I think I take back everything I said. I don't think it's going to be like one long road trip. I think. I could imagine that this starts with them arriving in New York, but I like that it said a year and a half later because it kind of gives that cushion to like, oh, this like in that year and a half, everything that you're able to play and experience in Spirits Unleashed could have happened. Right. You know, it's that sort of soft continuity where it's like, yeah, that could fit there. Totally. Why not? They. Yeah had some interns came through they were ghostbusters blah 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 and now a year and a half later like the spanglers have shown up they've probably wrapped up whatever you know school obligations or whatever that gruberson might have had and uh and you know the kids you know maybe trevor graduated high school or whatever and now they've shown up in new york and we get to see their first couple of times functioning as ghostbusters and maybe the the familial chaos of like, mom, come on, let me go out. Let me put the proton pack on. No, you should concentrate on being a kid. And then by the end of it, it's like, you know what? I guess we're all ghostbusters. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. (laughs) I'm thinking about this now that, um, the idea that it would be a year and a half later, uh, between the ending of say afterlife, right. And the beginning Mm -hmm. of this book, potentially, what intrigues me about that is that within Spirits Unleashed in the last DLC, we got an update to the story. We got an, an you know, our introduction of Sam Hain and the Overlord class of Ghost. But one mm-hmm. of the key things that happens in the dialogue of the story that happens is that at the end of it, uh, you know, Ray Stance says that we're going to be getting an intern soon, right? And so, if if you look at say like in the timeline of continuity in the way that you are of a year and a half out from the comic book and a year and a mm-hmm. half out from the video game, the video game has been out a year, right? By the time you actually get to the release of the comic book, the video game will have been out for a year and a half, right? So it actually kind of lines up timeline wise that the comic book and the introduction of the family coming to New York would fit very nicely alongside the way the last DLC left things off. 
So yeah. you know, I don't and, know if that's planned might... synergy in that way because that sees a lot of moving parts to me yeah. to sort of manage with Ilphonic and sort of how their DLC comes out with all these different video game companies. I but if that also... actually works out, it'd be interesting. I could also imagine like maybe this is their way of like if if Ray says we're getting an intern soon and then, you know, cut to maybe around the time of the movie coming out, we get a new DLC and it's like, oh, like to hype up the fact that the movie is out, we're introducing, you know. Lucky or James A. Caster's character and like they're starting to develop this laboratory division more officially because we've got like lab techs and stuff in the game that are characters but now it's like no we're genuinely like this is a thing we're doing and so that's their way of being like hey you excited for the movie look who's in the game now like that kind of thing right yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how it all fits together and you know i really like this idea but i also love that it's gonna be probably something that you don't have to see in order to make sure that you appreciate the movie if you're a fan of the movie, it gives you something to go back and continue engaging though, which is what I like is that, yeah. you know, like what we are lacking right now, I think in the sense of Ghostbusters media is that we have episodes, we are getting movies, right? But what yeah. we don't have is the kind of like undercurrent of recurring flow. Yeah. Yeah. Like ongoing media engagement. And so as much as I say this, that like we are living in currently the richest time for Ghostbusters fans since 1989, like we we because we are like we have more content yeah, now true. than we potentially have had ever since Ghostbusters. Because yeah, because at that time we had Ghostbusters 2 and the real Ghostbusters was going right. When and we had, had like XGB, video games just that, and you know, right. And so like you yeah. had video games coming out and other stuff that was going on at the same time. You had the comic books that were coming out at Toys, the same time, like yeah. now comics and stuff. So it's like you had a very saturated point. And I don't mean saturated like in a bad way. It was like there was a yeah. lot of options for you. But there was ongoing and recurring content to engage. And right now, what we don't have is that we have like, here's a series of movies and the promise of a potential animated series and a potential animated film that we've yet to kind of see much executed on. So to me, I'm kind of excited that people who walk out of the theater and are like compelled by these characters will have something something else to turn to. Yeah. 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 They like if they are, you know, how wow, we really got to see what, you know, Phoebe and Trevor and like that dynamic is like as Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I want to read more of those stories. There's something to go to after that movie ends for the next well, three there's, months. There's know? something that gives them more of the stories of those characters with the comic. And then there's also something that's like, and if you want to be a Ghostbuster, come over to Spirits Unleashed. Right. And that's and we'll see, like, to be fair, we're going to see if that's still a thing. We get that far out because there's been a lot of rumors. I mean, I hope so, but there's a lot of rumors about whether or not, you know, Ilphonic's commitment to that game lasted more than a year in terms of producing free DLC. Like I've heard Uh that, like we may we should expect to kind of see it updated until the next movie comes out. But that, and this is all like just stuff I've heard in the rumor mills. So nobody can be like, hey, what did you do to Ilphonic? I don't know. But like, (laughs) there's been sort like everybody's like, what did you say? What happens is we're gonna come for you, but. Um, you know, there's sort of some ambiguity about how long their uh, commitment to support that game with ongoing developing content and narrative goes on. And their track record for other IP has been often that it's kind of turn and burn, you know, so sure, I, I, it's why sure. I'm skeptical about how long they will continue to tell stories within Spirits Unleashed and how long that goes on. At versus I would wonder, we push towards animated stuff, you know, but we'll see. I wonder how much of that kind of turn and burn kind of thing has been because there hasn't been necessarily like 
like I know they did like a, a Predator game, right? And I'm sure that when Prey came yeah. out, that probably gave them like, ooh, well, let's put that Predator and some of those characters like in our game. But Predator is not necessarily a franchise that like, like to me, at least I'm, I'm sure Predator has like massive, massive fans, but it doesn't feel like something where it's like you're just immediately like, like it doesn't feel like the kind of engagement you have with that franchise is the same kind that you would have with like a Ghostbusters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, and so I could imagine that like, because Ghostbusters is in a state of like, we've got new stories coming out, new movies, we're doing new things. We've got new characters. Like it is giving spirits unleashed this constant feed of like, here's new stuff you can add into the game to build on, to create DLC for skins, gear, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, my hope is that that's the case and and that it, you know, that as long as it is a game that people still like to play and there's new material for it, that that commitment, I guess, is is always worth reinvesting in for them. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's and that's again, that's not to be like, I, I don't know anything with respect to this. It's not like I have some official inside knowledge or anything, but it's just one yeah. of those things that is as somebody who's kind of inside the different discord forums of the community of players, their kind of expectation even is, well, we know the game is going to be around probably till the new movie in terms of new content development, but what will it be after that? You know? Yeah. I think that you have a good point though, in terms of that it being, you know, continued to have support because there's one thing I am forgetting, which is that the switch version, like literally just came out. <laughs> like, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. the fact that they have a new commitment to a user base on switch may mean that you get some additional content that comes out over the next year. But I, you know, sort of, I am skeptical about how long it goes on, you know, that yeah. the no, content like, creation I mean, we've got in terms of story involved, like for real getting from the last iteration of story to a new iteration of story for us yeah. in that game took a full year. We got new characters yeah. and we got new maps, but sort of the new story that added in like, like you know, had chapter, Dan Aykroyd yeah. back in and recording lines or Ernie Hudson back in recording lines to add a new chapter story took a full year to get to. So, and it's not that hard to develop that part of it, right? Like getting them into a sure. studio to kind of record some lines is not that difficult for as short of content as it is, but yeah. whether or not it goes on long-term, I think, you know, or whether we see that continuation yeah. of content handed off at some point is a different question. So I would, yeah. I would imagine that at, a. Uh... And and the nice thing, too, is like Spirits Unleashed firmly fits in that sort of between Afterlife and Frozen Empire time frame. So if the game ever did come to an end, you could literally like whatever I imagine the first page of the comic is, you know, or whatever the moment in the comic is when like the Spangler family arrives at the firehouse. Yeah. You could literally have it be, you know, um the last day for whatever characters are in the game, like the last day of their internship and Winston being like, thanks for everything. And then like, as he's looking one way and like, you know, waving to everybody, then he turns around. He's like, just in time. And then you see like the Subaru pull up to the firehouse and that's how like <laughs> the game just ends, you know? I, now I'm, I want to like, I'm wish casting that I want the Subaru to become like, you know, a big thing. <laughs> look, if the red parka could be a thing, why can't the Subaru along the same lines? If the red parka is such a thing, why isn't Dan's denim jacket? Somebody explain that to me. OK, because he's got like that same well, denim think, chore coat on. But I know? think I think the I think the appeal is that like 
The Spangler family Subaru feels like the Spangler family Subaru. Dan's jean jacket is is like that belongs to Ray. But the red parka is like every Ghostbuster gets a red (laughs) parka, you know, like that's standard issue uniform now. I'm still in love with the thing that Ryan Espen said last week that he's he's got a, a new name, a new dumb pun, which I love. Just that he wants a character out there named Red Parka Jr. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so I'm pretty sure that a listener of this podcast has appropriated that joke and put it on there as their handle on social oh media now. Goodness. I saw it. Somebody was using it and I was like, you lifted that. If you're listening out there, That's amazing. make sure you give that credit to Ryan Espin because that was his joke and it's a good joke. <laughs> oh man. I, well, I want like <laughs> I, I feel like that's something Vankman could say, like a scene where like chaos is happening and then Phoebe's like, we need to go after him. And then Peter's just like, cool your jets, Red Parker Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way you pay tribute to Ray and the, uh, the Ray Parker yeah. Jr. Ray, Ray Parker, not Ray Parker, Ray Parker Jr. Um, he should get one. Somebody's <laughs> got to send him one of those coats. That yeah, way he, can, right. he can rep it, you know, when he's off singing, Red it's a Parker small world. Ray, Red Parker for Ray Parker. <laughs> <laughs> well, any other comments you have about the comic book? Because I know we've talked a little bit about comic book and we've deviated out of it into other canon concepts in terms of the video game. But anything else you want to add about the comic book and reactions to sort of what Dark Horse has coming? Yeah, I mean, a I love Dark Horse. Like Dark Horse is such a, a dope publisher. I mean, like they for a long time when we were in kind of like the Ghostbusters drought of 89 to 2015, like a a lot of people looked to kind of scratch that Ghostbusters itch in different places. And, you know, we had stuff like, you know, TV shows and and movies and other things that kind of like approximated the vibe of what Ghostbusters was to one degree or another. And one of my favorite things to kind of fill that hole was, uh, was Hellboy. Like whether it was the movies, the comics, any of it, like it's a team of, you know, just blue collar people whose job it is to like gear up and go out and fight demons and monsters and ghosts all the time. And that very much like filled that Ghostbusters, you know, gap in my life as as much as it could. And so the fact that they, you know, they have kind of I mean, he's. He's one of like their flagship characters, the BPRD and and Hellboy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, Dark Horse is a great home for Ghostbusters and and I'm excited and I hope that they do a whole lot more with it. I, I love the idea of doing these kind of like. Little mini series, whether it's four issues, six issues, limited series, you know, 12 issues or under whatever, like I kind of love the idea of doing that or maybe even you know, dipping into stuff like original graphic novels where you've just got right. like a whole 120 page whatever story in one go and and telling these kind of like Rogue One style in between stories or like maybe this is the format where you get to go back and and, you know, tell a story about Tobin and you know, maybe this is the format where if you wanted to tell a story about, you know, the last case of the original Ghostbusters before Egon left, you could do that in a comic book, you know, depending on what this what the movie after Frozen Empire looks like and how Frozen Empire ends. Maybe there's another story that you can fit in between there. And, you know, 
I could also see it kind of being like once once the animated series gets going, you know, as long as it's all in continuity, which seems to be the goal with with everything that they've uh, talked about so far. I could see it kind of being like how um, with a lot of uh, DC animated series like Young Justice, Batman, the animated series, all that kind of stuff. They would often have, you know, um, they'd have the actual cartoon and then they'd have a tie in comic book. And it would literally just be like for every episode of the series itself, you'd have an issue of the comic and it would just be like another episode it would be like you're getting double the episodes if you're reading the comics too it's just a a whole bunch more one-off adventures and so i love the idea that somewhere down the line like we could be getting mini series and and in between stories and then the animated series launches and there is a tie-in series for that and it's just like and now you're getting double the content of the animated series yeah or maybe we get a, a comic book series that is just focused on the the misadventures of the lab division and all of the hijinks <laughs> they get into you know all the science hijinks they get into and um and have that run like in parallel to the actual stories being told in the movies and everything. And it's just kind of like, oh yeah, this happened between films or when the camera was pointed somewhere else or whatever. And uh, yeah, cause like we're, we're with the movies, we're not seeing every single case that the ghostbusters. Work. Right. Like there's always been the implication that whether it's during a montage or it's off screen or whatever, like they're out there, they're busting stuff. Sure. And we're just seeing the big moments like Gozer, Vigo, uh, this new frost monster thing. Like we're seeing the big moments and the big things that they face that are worth pointing a camera at. But for all the like slightly lower on the tier scale threats, those are exactly the kinds of stories that you could tell in comic book form whether it's a mini series or a standalone or whatever and so i feel like there's a ton of potential to just do a lot of really cool really fun things and the fact that it's in continuity and could give you deeper looks at like the lore and the world and all that kind of stuff in a way that feels like it genuinely is directly connected to the movies and it it matters or it gives you more context it to me that and it's in the here and now like it's set in the time frame of like these movies that are taking place in the present that to me like there's no reason a ghostbusters comic shouldn't leave you being like oh i gotta see what happens next right and i feel like the fact that these comics are happening simultaneously with the films and all the other new projects like it's already going to have a leg up on on like previous things that kind of were like well maybe it's in continuity maybe it's not you know we'll see how it all shakes out you know, like i love the idea that this is just going to inherently be like if you want more of this it exists and it, right. it is connected and it matters you know and that's my hope is that we do get more than just this one mini series right like i think that yeah. that's you know they ha- i i originally thought of dark horse coming in after that announcement uh, you know, a, a year ago that they were kind of getting the license to make mm-hmm. comic books in the same sense that Hasbro has the license to make many toys. Right. And then mm-hmm. in, in sort of revisiting those comments, it's much clearer that what is said by Gil Cannon and Jason Reitman on a stage is that there is a limited series coming from yeah. Dark Horse. 
And so it's my hope that like they will look at this book and see, you know, good sales on it, see good reaction to it and go, well, let's make another one. Right. Because like that way they can continue to tell stories in that vein. And I think there's an untapped market out there for it. There's a whole bunch of people out there who love those IDW comics and who have been bummed like since they've gone away, you know, and sort of what would love to see a recurring, you know, monthly release of a Ghostbusters story, if not at least, you know, a few quarterlies that maybe come out. If you don't just do it as a recurring thing that happens every month, you just do quarterly releases and then an annual or something would be kind of cool. But um, yeah, I'm hopeful that this can kind of kick off a new phase in Ghostbusters storytelling. And then that if it doesn't continue, that at least gets us to the next set of stuff, you know, that it kind of, leads us and dovetails us to maybe an animated series that's going to continue in this vein or whatever. So the other yeah. thing, the other thing that I'm excited about concerning the comic is that if it's mini series and these sorts of like, you know, one-off projects or like in between stories that kind of stand on their own between other, you know, pieces of Ghostbusters media. And this isn't even to like, put myself in the conversation, although I would absolutely love to be in the conversation, (laughs) but like, I love like one of my favorite things is like just going on social media or like random places and just searching ghostbusters and seeing like (laughs) other artists interpretations of ghostbusters. That's really cool to me. I love seeing different creators put their spin on this thing and and bringing their own style and flavor to it and how they interpret it and i love that you know we're getting a new artist and writer for this series and i love the idea that going forward like we could continue to just kind of have a revolving door of creators and different visions and different looks and that kind of thing and and maybe eventually we settle on one that's like this this is the the team that will do all the Ghostbusters comics. But then if that's the case, like, you know, like I said, maybe we get stuff that's like, oh, but we have the a tie-in series for the new animated series, and that has its own creative team. And then maybe we do get a Tobin series and that has its own creative team. Right. It's just I want I, I love the idea of Ghostbusters evolving into this thing where it's not just like one like it all is following the same creative vision that you know gill and jason and like ghost core have laid out but as long as like everybody's following that path it's like you know let's get different styles and different voices in here let's get you know i i love the idea that eventually we get to a point where we are telling stories about different ghostbusters offices and stations and teams being established at different areas in the u.s or different areas around the world and maybe we get a creative team that is brought in to tell like a story about a Los Angeles Ghostbusters squad or like a, a, a Texas one or whatever, I mean, and we're, or like, we're Oh, getting now a little we've got bit them of in Japan now. and the UK. Like we're yeah. getting a little bit of that now with the, uh, with the VR game, right. That where you have a Ghostbusters team that's operating out of San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where it's, it has nothing to do with the New York firehouse other than mm-hmm. their Ghostbusters, but you get a different take, you get a different spin on what it is. I can't really weigh in on that too heavily yet because I still haven't played it, but um, in terms of its story, right, it's something that is derivative of Ghostbusters, but it is also its own little bubble of storytelling and its own style and its own thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah, 100%. And all the possibilities of how to interpret, like, 
how do things change given different environments, different cities, different cultures, different lore, different whatever, like whether we're talking about like the ghosts or even just like how the Ghostbusters need to operate the communities that they're a part of. Like, yeah, I, I feel like comics is such a rich environment to just, you know, look at Ghostbusters as a whole and be like, well, what if we zeroed in on that? What is there that we can right. play with? Yeah. No, I'm, I think that there's a lot of potential here and I'm hopeful that we'll see more comics beyond the miniseries, but the miniseries excites me and I'm glad we got to talk a bit about, you know, yeah, what definitely. that means and what it will lead out to. Um, I want to remind folks before we wrap things up, uh, that they should go out and grab your print, your frozen empire print, because it is gorgeous and it is amazing. And even Kumail Nanjiani said so. Um, and <laughs> If you want to be cool and you want to be cool like Kumail, then you got to go get one of these. I don't know that Kumail got one, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> if he wants one, he's more than like he didn't even have to pay for it. Just let me know where to send it and it's yours. Um, just leave it but, at a comic book shop that he goes yeah. to and frequents often. I know. And right? just say, in case he comes by. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then in several years, I'll go to an event where, where Kumail's having a Q&A and then I'll ask him to sign this print. And he'll say, oh, John, you're Kaba. I know John, you're Kaba. <laughs> and I'll say, yeah, that I talked to him this morning. He said, hi. That and that'll be, be, we'll just relive this whole thing again. It's, it's fine. I can't it's even a imagine, good precedent. dude. Uh, um, but in all seriousness, where should people come out to go uh, find your print? Where do they look it up or grab it? Uh, my shop is, let me double check. That's a good question. And I want to make sure that I answer it correctly. Is it um, John, you're Kaba for at bigcartel.com? It is. Did you just look it up? No, I just know it. <laughs> oh, all right. Frequent, frequent flyer miles over here. Um, but yeah, uh, it is John, your K before dot big And uh, you can go there and check it out. Or if you don't remember that, if you go to any of my social media, which all of them are just at John, your K before J O H N Y U R C A B A the number four, uh, usually in all of my bios, like Instagram bio, all that kind of stuff, there is a link uh, that'll give you links to everything else. And one of the links will be my online store. And so you can go in there. Um, I've got uh, the Proton Pack deal, which is you can get a copy of the October art book and 11 by 17 print of your choice, uh, five by seven Ghostbusters mini print and a, a Slimer sticker all for uh, a discounted price then you know that's cheaper than if you were to buy all this thing separately you can also get um you know I, I have a whole ton of different 11 by 17 prints not just ghostbusters but you know some of the comics i've worked on godzilla transformers yeah. ninja turtles uh i've got a chainsaw man print in there just because i really like that anime <laughs> i've got an ultraman print in there because i really like ultraman uh, and then I've also got a couple of other uh, five by sevens. I, I've got a, a a Superman and a mobile suit Gundam print because I also nice. love mobile suit Gundam and Superman. Um, and then, yeah, the stickers are in there. And I think I think what I might do, I've got uh, some copies of the graphic novel, the trade paperback of the Godzilla series that I worked on um, that I am happy to sign and sketch in for people. So I think I'm going to go ahead and put those up in the shop sometime soon. So tons of stuff, 
to include the uh, Frozen Empire piece that you can get. It's in the 11 by 17 section, or if you want to add that into the Proton Pack and get that, you can do that. Uh, so lots of options. Good stuff for the nerd in your life for the holidays or for yourself. You treat yourself. <laughs> treat yourself. Yes, do it. treat yourself. And I will say once again, I remind folks that your art, your prints are the only ones that when I bring them home and show them to my partner, she goes, I really like this. You can hang it on the walls. <laughs> it is still the highest praise like i will forever be grateful for that that's all if it was a book that art, would be the blurb that goes on the back of the book all other ghostbusters art is constrained and confined to my office but your stuff has been given the green light to go elsewhere in the house <laughs> leah likes your stuff what can i say well so well i very i very much appreciate that <laughs> and yeah also i i don't know if i mentioned it but like anything that gets ordered for me is coming directly from me. So like it'll be signed if it's a book, like I'll do a little right. sketch in the front cover, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it'll, you can ask me to personalize it if you want. Like I it's, I'm sending it from me. And so I will have hands on it. Nice. Yep. So every package is hand delivered and hand cared and uh, you know, all those things. Not that you're going to hand deliver it. That would be weird. You're just driving around the country for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go to Nebraska. Somebody sorry. out in Lincoln, Nebraska. Take this? Sorry. I left it on your porch. I had to be in, in <laughs> Connecticut by this afternoon. Sorry. <laughs> but the point is that every order you are dealing with is one that you are dealing with literally and not yeah. one that's being fulfilled by a print company. Uh, exactly. Just kind of stuffing them. You're yeah. taking care no, of them. I've, so. I've done stuff through print companies before and it's no shade against them, but I just, I like knowing that like I've sought out, you know, a printer that I really like the quality of the print that I get to have a moment of like signing it. And like, that's kind of my way of like yeah. saying thank you for everything. And you know, it's, it's a, a little moment of like being able to personally be like, Hey, this is for me to you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And it's something I think that as a person who has, you know, bought some of your prints over the years and enjoyed your art, like there's a personal touch to that as opposed to just getting a print and the, you know, that you yeah. could have printed on demand. So, well, I appreciate you and I appreciate your art and I'm thrilled about your new print, which um, everybody should go out and order and definitely pick up. And then while you're there, pick up like five other things and help John get rich <laughs> for the holiday season so that he can afford his new lifestyle hanging out with Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, oh man, gosh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got expensive taste. No, I don't know. He might be the most low key dude ever. That's totally cool. It's but, very true. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah, no, I, but, yeah. I mean, buy what you can. That's all I'm going to say. I appreciate <laughs> every purchase. It really means a lot to me. Artists are, artists are, and this isn't even for my sake. Like if, if there's an artist that you like, <clears throat> like let them know you like them. Like yeah. it's, it can be, it can be incredibly fulfilling just to like sit here and draw. But when we have those moments of like, Hey, somebody bought a thing, somebody said something nice on social media, someone reached out and said that they really appreciate what I do or that they, they love my work or whatever. Like those are the moments, especially, you know, when you buy something that it's kind of like, Hey, this, like, this is, this yeah. is, a thing that people appreciate and I can continue to do it. So, I mean, it's a weird thing to consider it, but it's like, you know, for other forms of media, there's a review section with the ability to write comments and like post little thumbs up things. But for artists who are running their own space of commerce, it's like, <laughs> what do you do with that? You don't have that same thing going on. So and it's such it's a, a tricky different. thing. Cause like, I, I hate talking about it. Like I hate talking about 
the the business aspect of it because I just love drawing itself so much. But yeah. it's important and it's, you know, it's it's a thing that is worth talking about. But in all seriousness, like one of the coolest moments uh that I've ever not coolest moments necessarily, but like one of the uh one of the things that I really loved about kind of like the afterlife era was, you know, I did that print for the Yes Have Some party the night before yeah. the premiere. And, uh, after I got home, uh, it was just really cool to see, like, as everybody else was kind of making their trip back home, wherever they came from, everybody, you know, posting and tagging me and tagging me in stories and stuff saying like, finally got this super dope print that I got from John at the party framed and it's up on my wall and look at how cool it is. It's hang it hangs next to my proton pack or my signed poster or whatever. And, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just really cool, you know, to have yeah. that kind of thing. And then, you know, that the moment uh, with McKenna Grace on the red carpet where somebody else had brought their print to get signed mm -hmm. uh, as everybody was walking by. And then she called it out like, oh, my gosh, I have one of these, too. It's up in my hotel room. I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> it's the first time anyone's ever drawn fan art of me. And then like simultaneously everybody else who was there just pointed at me and was like he did it and i was like uh hi <laughs> so yeah it's it's super cool to 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 know that like people dig your work and, and yeah. enjoy it so no and I I, I I do very much appreciate the kind words that everybody has uh has dropped on the post and all that kind of stuff so hey far. i literally told dark horse in a comment on your print they should be paying attention <laughs> I tagged them and was like, take notice. What are you doing over there? Are you, are you paying attention yeah. to anything or what? Give <laughs> this, this guy a job. Very kind of you. Cover. I appreciate but, it. <laughs> this is, you know, we love him. He does good work. We know he does. Here's our, my, uh, ringing endorsement, dark horse. Um, I don't know what you know about making ghostbusters comics, but I know what I know about reading them and I don't know what I know about art, but I know what I like. <laughs> oh man. No, it's, but, it's definitely appreciated. And that's, that's the dream. I mean, that's always, been the dream since i was a little kid it was just one day i want to grow up and just like this is what i do i draw ghostbusters yeah. so well i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed in the meantime everybody should go out and check out your artwork of course over at john your k before and see what you have up for offer on the holiday season i appreciate you when you come on the show because you're always fun to talk with and uh because you're smart and you're in inquisitive and you have lots <laughs> of good ideas about ghostbusters so please come back well, again and share you. them with us soon of course. Anytime. Um, but yeah, um, it's been fun to talk with you again, John, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extra Plasma this week. I want to say one final thank you to John Yurkeba for coming on the show, uh, for talking with us a bit about the Dark Horse comics series, uh, his recent art print, and everything else that we engaged in this week's episode. Of course, if you want to check out John's artwork or pick up any of the amazing things he's got out there right now, especially given his special holiday pricing for the season, uh, go and check out his artwork at johnyourkbefore.bigcartel.com. I also want to say thank you as usual to Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides the logo and visual identity for the podcast, as well as vaporwave artist Magnavox, whose version of Ghostbusters serves as our theme song each week. And of course, I want to say thank you to you for listening to the show, for continuing to support it. We're now in through 60 episodes of the show, which still blows my mind that we've had this many of them. Uh, it's been over a year of podcasting at this point, over a calendar year's worth of episodes, even if we were to do one a week. I'm so excited about what's going to be coming in the final weeks of this year. 
as well as as we track into the new year and get closer and closer to Ghostbusters, Frozen Empire, and everything else beyond that that we know is coming. If you have anything that you want to talk about with respect to that or anything else relating to Ghostbusters, you can, of course, reach out to me at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com or via social media on Instagram and Twitter, rather X, at Extraplasm, or on Facebook or YouTube at Extraplasm Podcast. Uh, don't be a stranger. I'm happy to hear from you. And it always excites me when folks have things they want to contribute or add or get out there on the show. And lastly, uh, as we track into the holiday season, sometimes things get stressful. Sometimes things get hard, but there's always a payoff and a reward for it. We all get to come together and celebrate. So remember, as you're out there, you know, holiday shopping and trying to figure out how to hang Christmas lights off your house or whatever else you're doing right now that's driving you crazy. As Ernie Hudson says, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>